0: Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm excited today because we have two incredible guests on our show as part of our Indie Spotlight series, which will be a recurring feature on the Powered by Rock podcast. First up, I'll be speaking to the Las Vegas-based rock band Elephant King about their music, their live performances, and some other interesting questions. You will also get to hear a song from them before the end of our segment as well. After that, I'll be speaking with Denmark's own Karina Selvig, who is a writer for Dying Scene, rockfreaks.net and new noise magazine as well as recently becoming a co-host over at punk rock radar so make sure to stick around to the end because both guests are fantastic and you hear some great music welcome to season four of the powered by rock podcast we'll bring you the best stories in rock music with a focus on highlighting independent rock musicians and their music from all over the world no rock music isn't dead it's getting better and better it's just time for you to start paying attention again with that said, let's get this party started.
1: The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Power by Rock Podcast. It's my pleasure to be speaking with the Vegas rock band Elephant King today. Even though the spelling is wrong, it's still pronounced Elephant King because <laughs> yeah. that's how it's supposed to be spelled. You,
2: did, yeah, you can pronounce it however you want to. Yeah, you know, somebody uh somebody was
1: saying, like, oh, like I was listening to Elefante King the other day, and then she had a bunch of like really nice things to say about it. And I was like, I'm not gonna correct her after that. Yeah. So pronounce like, it. Actually,
0: how- it's Elephant King. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: right yeah they feel a but actually yeah, yeah. No, pronounce it however you like
0: yeah so it's pronounced elephant king according to the band it's spelt elefante king which just looks cool that way anyway but these guys are a three-piece rock band they're highly entertaining uh, alternative rock style sound that absolutely shreds and wails on all their instruments i mean each one of these guys individually are fantastic at their instruments and on camera here you can see lead singer guitarist fez in the what right side of the screen the Furthest, oh, here, let's go this way. That way, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, furthest that way uh this dude actually makes it kind of like an olympic event out there jumping around like he's all hopped up on mountain dew like the uh, classic line from talladega Nights goes oh, yeah so,
2: yeah no i, I definitely yeah. to do it before he's jumping around like a spider monkey
0: yeah, yeah. i'll come at you like a spider monkey chet <laughs> um but then we also have mike west who's a, a, a bass wizard i mean he's one of the funkiest bass players out there that i know got a smooth jazz sound but then it works really really well with their sound so and last but not least uh drummer nick limbs coming in heavy and loud like a mix between john bonham and keith moon slash yeah i don't know like ringo star all mashed into one kind of disciple so that's the entire band right there but i'm glad you guys are listening to this show right now the, the listeners here because this band is excellent and i probably think that most of you guys haven't heard of them um so if you haven't heard of them you're gonna get one song from them today but i would highly recommend you go check out the band and hey guys welcome to the show
1: Hello. What's going on? Thanks for having
0: us. <laughs> so excited to be here. Look, they're just so they just got so much energy. It's it's early in the day. I don't know. Like most most of these interviews happen like a little later in the afternoon. So maybe it, that's why it's it's it just crept into the afternoon right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I said good morning <laughs> a little bit ago, and that was your statement a little bit ago.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> we are. We might be tired, but we are powered by rock.
0: Was, yeah, uh, that is true that technically you guys are powered by rock. You guys are one of the sponsored bands of powered by rock for the guitar cables. So, yes. and I, I, I remember cause I interviewed, um, case and Samson and white noise, the band white noise. And, uh, I'd actually asked them before we went on air. I was like, by the way, I keep forgetting to ask, but do you guys want like guitar cables and be sponsored by the, the band? Ba- the and they're like, fuck yeah. Now I can say, take that Fez or whatever he was like I've been waiting to say like shove it in Fez's face I was like <laughs> "Like you have a competition in your own head yeah. about getting sponsored by you know a local Las Vegas company or something that's pretty funny that
2: sounds like Kason. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: and then of course them. he did post something like that, <laughs> like
1: uh, that. yeah I think I remember, I remember that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that
0: guy well let's talk about you guys obviously so you guys have been you're a pretty new band it's been just slightly over a year that you guys have all been together but kind of How did you guys all come together? Because I know you guys weren't just like, Hey, we've never played in a band before. Let's all three decide to get together. But what was the kind of discussion behind putting the band together? how did you guys start playing together? And and what, what was the discussion of like, you know, the style of music you're going to play?
1: Well, um, Nick and I were in a band together that um, kind of really didn't really get off the ground. Um, And you know some of the alpha king songs uh go burn it all down murder there were kind of holdovers from that band <clears throat> that and we started writing them in like during the practices that not everybody could make it to right yeah um so that, that band kind of fell apart um nick and i kept playing music together that was like pre-covid and then post-covid we got together and we still had this backlog of material so we started playing together and we started as a duo actually like um the song you'll hear later today uh was just me and nick um you know just putting layers on on the track um so mo- most of our catalog that's available right now um was from when we were in- instrumentally just as a duo um and nick has known michael for
2: since oh, you know, over a decade now yeah yeah, yeah. We, we've been friends for a long time, but we've never been a part of a project together. And uh, I've always wanted to be in a band with him. So once schedules lined up and uh, we were ready to do it, he was the guy.
0: Yeah. And well, that's kind of, I think, a key between rhythm sections, right? It's like, it's great that like you know, anyone can be plugged in at a bass and a drum And it can technically sound good, but like having a chemistry makes it even like that much more interesting when you have a bass player and a drummer who at least have known each other for a while. And then when they start playing together, it's like, there's, there's like nothing like it. Cause I know when, when a bass player gets plugged into a band that's kind of already existing, it can be kind of awkward at first because like in most bands, not saying your guys' band, but in most bands, the, the bass lines are usually very simple, simply created by like a drummer or a guitar player, whoever, like, has that ability to create those lines and they're like this is what you play here you go just play that and then it's like well fuck what am i here for like you could just put this on a backing track or something right um so like was there any kind of like any kind of pressure for you mike to kind of jump in the band and be like well i hear what you guys play but i think i can do this or did you have any conversations about changing some stuff up
3: uh definitely a little bit of pressure you know anyone can join like a project that's been together for a year and then feel that pressure, right? So, and especially for being a bass player, yeah, definitely. Um, I sort of took it slow at first, you know, just playing exactly what, you know, just simple note lines, you know, just hitting all the chord progressions and stuff. But once I started getting more comfortable with the feels and more comfortable playing with Nick again um, and Fez, like, you know, then I started adding some inflections, some different lines and stuff to kind of, one, make sure I'm not... Stepping on anyone's toes, but also, like, filling in the spaces that, you know, we're missing, right? Yeah. So now I feel like with the selection of songs that we have now, um, they're definitely a little bit more fleshed out than they were when I first joined and what I was playing then. So yeah, that, definitely there is a pressure, but, it, it you know, just the more you play, the more you practice and play together, you get over that pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, Mike's yeah. done a really good job at, um, there, there is a lot of space, especially live uh where you know it's just one guitar like it's just just us three um yeah versus and, versus you're like six different layers of guitar yeah 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 I you know I lay it on thick on the track yeah. but um you know I can only do so much live mike has done a really good job I mean he he'll play chords you know you do harmonics and he plays six string sometimes um when it's when it's in in <laughs> in working yeah um but even with the four string like it's he he does stuff that i wouldn't have even thought of you know um it's almost like we've got two lead instruments up there you know yeah
0: Yeah. it's not like a blink-182 situation where it's like two untalented versions of the same like you don't have a very good guitarist you don't have a very good bassist, but they make good music together so let's just do that it's like you guys actually make good music and you're both really talented at what you do so it's very interesting to watch that on stage and uh, I noticed obviously Mike's gotten a little bit more comfortable on stage. I don't know how much you performed on stage before, but it's almost like he goes in there like he's Ron Burgundy now is like, you know, in his cool cat outfit and he's like got his sunglasses on and he's out there performing. And it's like, that's pretty cool. Like I haven't seen that side, like that kind of side just started creeping out a couple months ago, which I think kind of helps with the level of comfort, comfortability with the band as well.
3: Yeah. I, I, uh, my main, like, job right now is I actually play on the strip um, with another band. to do cover band stuff. So that's what I usually do for work. But, um, like, trying to incorporate the kind of the cool side of it, right, back into the, you know, playing a Because lo- it's a completely different scene, you know, sure. playing with DIY local scene. <laughs> different people, different energies, right? So.
2: Yeah, he actually probably plays more shows than both of us but potentially combined because yeah. he's you know out there like every day but yeah. uh yeah it's such a different vibe performing with a, an original group where we're like trying to go for something specific versus covers you're kind of just jamming i feel you're like, glorified you know. stereo right like, right yeah <laughs>
0: so,
2: you're kind of just there to to please the crowd rather than do your own you're thing.
0: just you're just making drunk people happy that's what that's right, what yeah, yeah, bands yeah. are yeah. <laughs> so. I once had a friend of mine, uh, mentioned to me, he goes, I don't even understand why people would go watch original artists play their own music. Everything should just be cover bands. And I go, how the fuck do you think those bands knew what to play in the beginning? Somebody had to originally create that you dumbass. Yeah. And he was like, Oh yeah, I guess it was like, Jesus Christ.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just interesting
0: very- how some people like view music as like, just put the stereo on that's like, put whatever's on the radio is, is what you should be listening to. I'm like, these people started somewhere and it wasn't yeah. on the radio. Like, most yeah. bands or most rock pop artists don't just show up and have like a, a radio single, right? So, it's a very yeah. interesting perspective. I was like, wow, you sound dumb."
2: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the product of the the media and and how it portrays the, the media, the, the whole um, career.
0: You know, it's yeah. like I mean, with stuff one like day,
2: one day you're nobody and then one day you're somebody, but yeah. the, the there's never like documentation of this era. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see the, yeah. 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 So yeah. you're seeing it now. Yeah. We're <laughs> we're grateful to be on a podcast like this uh yeah. to to document that because yeah you know, we're we're all about the journey and I think it's really cool to have um opportunities like this as a budding artist. Yeah.
0: yeah. When you guys you guys kind of have like your shit together in many more ways than just playing the music and performing it too and, and even recording it. So you guys, as, as a lot of DIY musicians do, have a lot of talents in other areas surrounding the music, you know, industry or re- process, I suppose. I mean, Nick, I know you do like recording and mixing and mastering and all that stuff. Uh, you guys kind of all help do like promotion and marketing and like all this other stuff to try to like grow the- everything. But you guys all kind of had to put in uh, the extra effort because now in the DIY scene, you have the ability to basically run it like a, a business and, and start it from scratch. But you also have to have some talented people around you because not everybody can create a strong recording. i try to do it myself. I can do it when it's like a full band, but I fucking suck at it when I'm just doing it by myself. I'm like, if I try to record anything by myself, it sounds horrible. So it does take a high level of talent. So just talk to me about like what you guys, when you guys are, you know, putting things out there, recording music, like what's your whole process like, and what are you thinking? Like, Okay, here's, here's kind of our, our timeline for each thing that we want to accomplish. Here's We want to do an album or an LP or an EP or whatever. What, what do you guys kind of focus on for like the goals of the band and how do you go about doing that?
1: Um, well, with recording, I guess, I mean, you know, a lot of these songs were played live before we even touched them in the studio. Um, there's stuff that's in our set
2: right now that we want to put out. Um, I think that's definitely where it yeah. starts. Yeah, as, as working on stuff live. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like we'll we'll have a song ready and then we'll play it live a a good amount <laughs> before yeah. it's even like discussed about if it's going to be released to begin with. Yeah, that that's definitely it. yeah. Kind of yeah. like it's a stand
0: up comedian, bomb. you want to make sure that the joke doesn't bomb before you, then you put it on a Netflix special, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> there's things, there's stuff in our set that we're not ever going to release on a you know like like the soundcheck song like that's 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 live only. You know what I mean? You Come to a show yeah. to see that. Yeah, you
0: know. yeah, and if for for um, anybody who's watching and going, what the fuck is the sound check song? If you don't know what a sound check is, you probably probably don't have any idea what any of this what we're talking about means. But <laughs> sound check at at a concert that's is true. when you're actually going up there, and as a band that's just starting out, you don't get the you know two hours ahead of time, you know, forty five to sixty minute sound check where they go through and fine tune every knob on the dial and make sure everything's dialed in. When you do a sound check as a DIY band, you basically have to just do it at the first song, right? So, like, you're mostly just going up there playing and seeing if it sounds good. And you don't usually want to put like your normally your best song is, or one of your best songs, one of your hyped up songs is usually the first one. So, you don't want to do it on that song. So, you guys actually have a sound check song that you could just basically play sound check and do a bunch of random stuff and just use that as your first song to make sure everything sounds good, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's pretty awesome because when I put on a show, I want to say like last November, I was like, you guys, Ele- Elevated Undergrounds, the Montel Jordans, and Nova Babies, I believe was the, the lineup. And yeah. I was like, okay, you guys want to do sound check? And you're like, all right. So then you started playing sound check. And I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, it's a good introduction, I think, to the energy that we have on stage because it's like, you know, in between the, you know, I don't know, I don't know if we would call it serious, but like the, the, like, you know, like the yeah. the rock stuff, we're like just cracking jokes in between the songs. It's yeah, like, it's like
2: a quarter of it is like a stand up set, and like. Yeah. Just like- <laughs> or at yeah. least
0: yeah. thinks it is. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. The the sound check thing, I think, really represents our attitude right off the bat. But also, like for me, it is literally a sound check. I play. I wrote my part so that I hit every part of the kit. Oh, I, um, I, I made sure that I could play the song and then at the end of the song evaluate okay, could I hear the bass? Could I hear the guitar? Could I hear the vocal? Um, did I set my kit up right so that I, I'm not going to like trip over anything? You know, yeah. um, it's, it's the first song on the set, but it's definitely a sound check. Like for me personally, yeah. you know, that's yeah. what and, it was intended to be.
0: And I would say this is actually kind of a cool trick. I actually, w- me and my band in high school actually kind of did something else. We just called it intro. And another band that I, I knew of friends had an intro as well. We didn't use it as a sound check because we were never, going we not have a sound guy because we were fucking, this was the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, when you just played it wherever the fuck you were playing at and people just showed up and turned on the instruments and you just played, right? But uh, we used it to kind of help make sure that like, we were all like our nerves were settled. Like, we're kind of back into the groove. Like, no, there's no singing in that song, or maybe there was like a little growling or yelling or something like that. And it was just kind of nice to like start that way. So, if you are in a local band, an independent DIY band, and you don't want to just go out there and like burn up a, a really good song in the set and have it all fucked up from mic feedback or something, get it, get yourself a sound check song.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I recommend it. I'm really happy with it. And it's, it's also at, at DIY shows, especially there's usually a lot of people scattered. They're no. not, like, it's not like a traditional venue where you show up 30 minutes before and everyone's all in the same spot already. So when you come out on stage, everyone's there. Usually, you know, there's, you, know, you might be at a house show or something. There's people inside, there's people out front, there's people out back. So that, that short like it's like a minute and a half two minute long sound check song like that signifies to everybody like all right the show's starting and then we play our song that's yeah start of the set
0: exactly right so let's talk about the influences that you guys have because i'm sure that just knowing your guys' individual individual styles and sounds you guys have probably a pretty varied range of influences from your musical careers and backgrounds but what would you say are some of the comparisons and influences that you would say fit for elephant King? And how do you guys work your guys' individual influences to get that sound?
1: Um, for me, uh, you know, I was guitar wise. I was, uh, I guess in general music wise, I was really influenced by like seventies rock. Um, like Jimmy page is probably one of my favorite guitar players slash too. Um So when I, when I'm, when I'm playing, I kind of emulate some of that. Um, <clears throat> I feel like in in reality in this band i kind of uh play a lot more aggressively so i play more with like a like a white stripes feel um with the technicality of like you know somebody like jimmy page i guess um yeah. is what i i guess try to try to go for i can't like i can't pull back the trying trying to strum super hard and like even my guitar tech says like i'm like you pick way too hard, dude. Um, <laughs> but I can't help it. Shut you up, and do
0: your job. Don't tell me how to play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he has a point because you know, I was breaking strings left and right. Uh, but, yeah. but that's that's kind of how I approach it. Um, vocally, um, those are always kind of like secondary to me, I guess, uh, as far as my influences, because I'm always listening to guitar-based rock. Um, but I, I think the fact that I listen to the you know solo rock, where it's like higher vocals i try to reach that e- even though like that's not necessarily where my range is at so i'm always like belting and about to pass out on stage <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. um yeah i, I always I tell saying,
0: people if you want to hit a higher note just sing louder
2: yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> ah, man spitting that celsius all over I'm me sorry just your turn now Sp- go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um i as, as a drummer i definitely pull the most from 90s grunge. Um, One of my favorite drummers of all time is Dave Grohl. Um, Second to that is, funny enough, Taylor Hawkins. um, Similar, you know, group of musicians. But um, I really like keeping things as simple as I can uh, so that I can just beat the living shit out of the (laughs) drums. But also we have a very technical guitarist, a very technical bassist. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I have to kind of dial that back a little bit, by just keeping that too, or, uh, you know, keeping the beat and um, making sure that everything is simplistic to the common listener. And I'm kind of always thinking of that first. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm capable of, more than what I do in Elephant King, but I I choose to play a certain way for Elephant King because that's what I like. And that's what that's what I like watching. I'm always kind of like performance first um in my brain. So um that I I like power behind the drum set. Yeah. So that's what I reach for. You know, drummers like Dave Grohl, they're just hair everywhere just (laughs) nothing but pure passion and smiles and that's kind of where i'm coming from
0: yeah and i think that comes out and and i think it was buddy rich old drummer most drummers know who buddy rich is most musicians kind of know who buddy rich is but i think it was he who had a a conversation with like larry king or something and and uh he was saying like basically the drummer is the leader of the band and everybody's like wait a second no the leader of the band is obviously the the lead guitarist or the lead singer or something like that and he basically explained it as such like if the, the the drummer isn't the one kind of orchestrating like how the performance is gonna go, like the rest of the band's gonna be flat. Like if the if the drummer's out there just kind of playing like whatever, the rest of the band's not gonna pick up the energy, right? So so it's like yeah. up to the drummer to dictate the the pace, the energy, all that shit of this of the show. So they're kind of like the orchestrator.
2: Definitely, even if yeah.
0: all the production and direction beforehand was done from another member of the band. It's like, once you start playing on stage, it's the drummer. And he was like, if you don't have a drummer that fits that band, get yourself a new band or get yourself a new drummer. Cause he's like, that is like the first key of any, of any band is having the drummer being the person who dictates what's going on in the the live show. So I agree when I watch you, you know, even when you're not like technically playing anything, you'll just be sitting there like, ah, (laughs) just like doing something in the background, trying to like pump everybody up. So do a, a, a great job. And then obviously, Mike, uh what, what kind of some influences you had and and where are you drawing inspiration from trying to inject it into Elephant King?
3: Uh definitely a lot of um like seventies and eighties uh prog rock, okay. uh, rush for sure, yes, dream theater, those kind of guys, like odd time signatures all the way, very yeah. crazy riffs, you know, not conventional music, right? That's yeah. sort of thing.
0: like Nick, hurry up and get some Neil Pert stuff down. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, that that's really what drove me into playing bass in the first place. I saw Rush in two thousand eight, I think, um, and I told my dad like, "Give me a bass, please, like right now." You know, just <laughs> learning Rush riffs all all day, every day. Um, and from there, you know, went to school uh, for jazz studies. Um, a lot of a lot of jazz, um, Latin music, funk, like that whole world just opened up for me from there. So then it was just a combination of both, you know bringing me into where I am now. And then for this band, like trying to like, I feel like all three of us have, you know, we all have different, completely different styles of music and it all comes together into one like cohesive thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just, just a lot of, a lot of progressive stuff I really enjoy. And even nowadays, like um, one of my number ones is King Gizzard. Those guys from Australia, like are taking progressive to a whole new level in the modern day. Yeah. Um, and that's just like right up yeah. my alley for sure. Um, even like animals as leaders, like any, anything that you wouldn't really hear on the radio, I guess. Yeah. Is, um, like the, the real creative stuff is what I draw from.
0: It's funny. Cause you mentioned King Gizzard and the lizard wizard. And I, I, I remember like when they first came out and I was like, "This shit's, this shit's rocking. And then they got to the point, like the last couple albums where it's like, everything is so fucking weird. I'm like, I don't even know what's a song anymore. Like what's <laughs> happening in this music. Yeah. but I mean, they're like adding like, three minutes theremin solos and stuff i'm like what the fuck is going on i don't understand
3: Yeah, they're real, they're real advocates of like every album is a completely different thing yeah. and i i really i really am about that you know art is always fluid and changing yeah. and good art in my opinion is divisive right like there's yeah. going to be some albums you like some albums you don't for many artists you know and that, yeah. that should be a good thing that should be selling. yeah
0: if you like every album it's probably because they're making the exact same thing which is probably not a great thing right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: i mean and if they do that that's fine but like it's good to always be pushing forward and trying new things you know yeah. not being too attached to what you created last year always thinking ahead that's kind yeah. of one of my well, those
0: fuckers put out like nine albums in one year i think one year so it's like they're just constantly putting out stuff i'm like how the fuck do you have this much time to make music but yeah good on them <laughs> like i wish i had that much time just to make music but anyway right
1: same yeah yeah <laughs>
0: So I want to ask you guys a couple of uh, questions about you guys, but obviously about kind of the scene in general. Uh, I'm just curious, like out of all the shows you guys have played and you probably played, I don't know, 50 shows, maybe probably less than hundred as Elephant King anyway. But what's the best show you guys have played so far and why was it awesome?
4: Oh, <laughs> I
2: think we all know. Oh, oh. well, okay. <laughs> we, I think we have an answer, but uh, we have, we probably have two answers, one for Vegas and then yeah. one for Out of Town. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, for Vegas, the space, yeah, February 3rd for White Noises release show, yeah, yeah. That, was show. that was a fun one. Um, we probably had the most fun there, and the space is a, an awesome venue, yeah, love love playing. Playing there. yeah. Um, but our second answer, not in Vegas, was our show in Sacramento when we went on tour last September, yeah. Um, that was just I don't know. It was just goodbye. There, there just was like... a
3: lot that led up to that moment, uh, a, a whole story that we won't get into now, but we had a whole tour planned. A lot of things got changed, canceled. We kind of burned some bridges here and there, but it all coalesced into that show in Sacramento where everything just went right. The crowd was great. All the bands were great. Everyone was super nice. Even, even down to the weather, everything was just a, it was a great day all mm-hmm. around. And like, I don't know. We all walked away from that like as high as life, like just yeah. feeling great,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. That for me was really special. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great show. Cause it was, you know, completely different city, different scene. Like the bands all got along. The venue was
2: super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know
0: normally most of the time you guys play, you don't, you don't get along with all the bands on the, on the-
2: <laughs> 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 um, what, uh, what was the name of the venue? Cafe Colonial. Yeah. In Texas, Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. That was a really cool spot. I highly recommend anybody uh, go there and, yeah. Check nice. it out. Yeah. It was, um, it it was also great cause we weren't making much money on that tour at all. Uh, and we, we pretty much made all of our gas money from that one show. Yeah. Nice. So it yeah. was like just a, a big relief in so many ways. I mean, even our, uh, the, the person who booked that tour for us or, um uh, helped book the tour, uh, they got contact from that show. Um, uh their name's prudence they're working with a band called mom cars yep. now and uh now they're really good friends and working on stuff all the time so it's like that one show led to just a lot of yeah. good really good feelings and uh i think really connected us as a band
0: yeah nice i'm sure there'll be a mini documentary of it coming soon
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be cool yeah yeah those- um, that was a great show. Um, the local one was was fun because, I mean, pretty much the same reasons. Like, you know, like every, everyone got along. Like we all, we, at February 3rd in space, I mean, we all knew each other. Um, we all kind of just, you know, it was like a big hang, you know what I mean? And, like, the show was, like, almost secondary. But the show <laughs> happened to be, like,
2: awesome. You yeah. Know? I, I felt like that show was one of the first times, at, for me, that there was multiple bands in the green room and we're all just friends just hanging out like it was just a big party and oh it's your time to play go on kill it and then you come back everyone's back to hanging out um, it was yeah it was just a good hang
0: yeah nice reverend guitars embodies the idea that every run of scorching lead and every roll of fingerpicked twang deserve the same passion and commitment to quality whether you're selling out arenas or playing in your living room We know that what makes an instrument powerful is when players wield them to create something remarkable. A melody that moves mountains, a riff that just won't quit. We want to be there in your hands when that happens. For us, that means staying true to what we believe. Somewhere along the road of electric guitar history, it became a crazy idea that guitar makers should craft guitars with the same sense of purpose and passion, whether they're played in a bedroom or an arena. If that's a wild idea, then we're in the right place. Carrying six strings and an attitude and wearing good company. Reverend Guitars, well played. And I was going to say, uh, now that you've mentioned how you get along with bands and how many of them you like, I want to ask you to name your top three favorite local Vegas rock bands right now. You uh, Just pick one each and then that way it'll be the easiest okay. for you so.
1: Oh, pure sport! God, ah. yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, pure sport. I love those guys. Yeah. Um,
2: post NC.
0: Okay.
2: That's a good one. Um, there's so many. Yeah, a, a lot of really great dudes, uh, and and chicks. Sorry, <laughs> Re- really great people, people. fellas, fellas, fellas. fellas.
3: <laughs> all inclusive. Yeah. Um. I, I gotta shout some love out to my boys in White Noise. They yeah. they just like they're great, man. I love all of them. They I've worked with them with photo shoots and stuff too. Like uh I helped put their album cover together, did the shoot for that. Like I those guys are so supportive and like
2: I love them. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do a lot of scene. Yeah. 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 Case uh, is a great video editor too. I think yeah.
0: Just good- graphic design, video editing, yeah. pretty much everything. So yeah. I mean, oh. when I say like, there's a lot of local talent here, I'm not just even talking about the bands playing great music Like they, like you guys, like photography, recording, like everything. Like there's, there's people that in this scene have literally had to try to do everything and become really good at it because there's just not, there's not like a plug and play system where you can say, Hey, look, I want, this done and somebody can do it for a price that's affordable right so you have to learn how to do a bunch of that stuff yourself
2: it's Kind of how you got to do it now
0: yeah. yeah unfortunately there's no labels out there growing bands from the start either
2: <laughs> yeah not yet fortunately or unfortunately i mean it really depends on your outlook yeah yeah, yeah. it
0: gives everybody yeah. kind of equal footing and so like the faster you can get good at it the more you can kind of stand out too so that's nice so let's talk about you guys i've obviously re- released some music as of already like since the beginning of your band um notably i want to talk about the song murder because it's a pretty dark song it reminds me of a band that i one of my favorite bands called toadies uh would write or something like that because it's one of them just disturbing like you know the song's called murder and you might necessarily not necessarily understand just from the lyrics that it's obviously a murder song but it i mean the title pretty much gives it away but the, the violence is kind of only implied within the last two lines of the song but from what I understand, from what I read into it, it's basically about a woman stranded on a highway. She gets picked up, and that leads to her being abducted and essentially murdered. Is that pretty much what the song is about?
1: Um, I guess that's kind of uh, – it, it was a movie that inspired the lyrics. Okay. Um, the movie was um, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. In the movie, the, like, the movie kind of surrounds the actual, um, the actual crime. So you don't actually see it happen, but I, I saw the movie and it kind of like, you know, I liked how it didn't really show you what happened, you know? So it, it, that got me thinking, like, you know, I was like, was she like walking down, you know, whatever, like the, the whole thing in the movie is that like her mom wouldn't give her a ride somewhere. And like, so that's like part of like, there's like her guilt with that. And all that stuff whatever like she didn't have she didn't have a ride that night you know like that's where that line comes from like call all your friends no one gives you a ride whatever that's what inspired the lyrics but I feel like the meaning um has kind of changed as of late I mean it's it's kind of that's what inspired the lyrics but I I do feel like you can apply it to to really anything like it's I it was it's open-ended enough to where you can the, the, the way I interpret it now is kind of like You know, you're kind of searching for something thinking you need something, but you you can't find it. And then like, you, you turn to the wrong thing and, um, you know, like the last couple lines, like, you know, I, I handed over my innocence at last, uh, my luck has passed or whatever the fuck I say. Um,
0: (laughs) I don't remember my goddamn lyrics. I'm not playing. Yeah, I I don't, well, I, I
1: I can kind of remember them. Um, but, um. You know, you you hand over your inner sense and then you start going down the wrong path, and it's kind of like a spiral. And and the way the um, the the key changes uh, that happen over the guitar solo is kind of like a descent into like hell. You know what I mean? Um, that's kind of my interpretation of the song. Like as though I'm like someone <laughs> as though I, I, I didn't write it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's kind of how I see it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, I mean, it does give a pretty good narrative like the kind of chronologically happens as well but yeah as you're talking about like with a lot of songs and and songs that i even write uh, i try to create like a dual at least emotion or like potentially another uh another meaning for the song so like if you have it from a different perspective you would have this kind of a, a, a narration if you had it from this perspective you'd have this kind of narration so i i definitely get what you mean by like the the meanings kind of change and, and the interpretation can mean slightly different things but essentially it's it's that uh, that that darkness right that macabre yeah. kind of feeling like even throughout the song like the way the, the music's written you're not really feeling very happy even though you guys still rock the fuck out of the song and live like people aren't like this is fucking depressing if they were listening to what you were saying they might but because you guys are rocking it out they don't probably even notice what's what the lyrics are about right
1: yeah yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, that's all. That's just part of the Elephant King magic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We throw on a dark song, but make you feel
2: good. Yeah. I, I I actually do feel like that. That really represents us as as a band. Like yeah. we have these heavy riffs. We we really lay into our instruments. Um, but we're we're just yeah goofy dudes. Like we're not really yeah. uh like I don't know. We're not like emo. Um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll go on stage dressed in like bright colors. This guy mm-hmm. will wear tie dye on tie dye.
0: Yeah. Well, um, he won't even wear clothes at some times, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, <laughs> so
2: yeah. Some points the clothes come off. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think we, I don't know. There's just a, a good, a good balance. We try yeah. to, we try to do both. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to, um, go up
1: there. It's, it's, it's a challenge to go up there for me and not smile and have a good time because there's really nowhere else i'd rather be nothing else i'd rather be doing um one thing i wanted to bring up about murder uh is that was the first track that we had michael on um so those bass lines are all westlake you know saying yeah (laughs) um mike did you want to extrapolate on that how do you feel about the key of the song
3: (laughs) the key is great
1: Uh, (laughs) no yeah it felt good to finally
3: be on a officially released elephant king single you yeah. know oh um, and you took the photo too that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i took the photo on a vacation um where it like i just sent him like a bunch of different ones and he was like yeah let's, that one." yeah
1: you know um you're gonna say something. there um we there was a conversation on what the cover should be and we were like I don't know, maybe like a road and there's like trees (laughs) and he's like, I have the perfect one. And, and then he sent that one over. So we pretty much chose that one from the beginning. That, that one's on film, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, You can tell it was like, you know, not a digital, well, unless you put an effect on it, but it definitely looks like, you know, it came from like the nineties or somebody took a picture from like an old family album or something.
1: Yeah. It's, it's it. That's, I'm really glad that one's
2: out because uh, it, it does represent all of us pretty, pretty well, you know, yeah. even like Mike being, or that being a uh, Mike's first elephant King track. Um, I think it's really great that we used his photo yeah. for the cover. Like, it's, I it's like, think about that. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about that <laughs> until just now, but like, it's, it's great to have stuff like that represent all of us. Yeah. As one. Yeah.
0: And I was going to say like on the opposite end of the spectrum, I guess we would put the song "Goat" in there, which we're gonna have everybody listen to the song "Goat" before we end the segment. But that one is legitimately so infectious. It, like I'll wake up and just be like, "Dan, it. hey, 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 hey," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, that's get out my goddamn head! It's like <laughs> nine thirty in the morning. Or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But I often, actually, the first couple times I heard it, I thought it was like a cover song or a radio song because I'm like, "I've heard this song before." But I'm like, "No, I haven't." It's just that fucking like when you hear it once like your brain plays it subconsciously for like a decade in your brain so you think it's already been there
1: i that so that was one of the holdovers from uh the the other band that nick and i were in um and i don't know I, i feel like both good and bad um i've got this quality about writing to where like i'll write something that's really familiar and you're like, I've heard that before. And I'm like, sure. You, yeah, you probably have. I don't know where it's I from. think
2: every musician feels that way, though. Yeah, pro- right. yeah, probably.
1: But I I feel like I almost, like, I, like, toe the line between, like, stealing something. And it's like, whether or not I know where it's from, you know? Yeah. Um, That's one of those songs where I'm like, I'm sure this is a thing. You know what I mean? Like, this has to be something else. But I'm just going to take this to, we're just going to finish writing the song. And then now it's out. You know what I mean? Now it's ours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I, I've done the thing where, you know, a lot of musicians will do it where they write a song and then they go, ah, oh, fuck, that's the same chord progression as, I don't know, Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers or some shit. And you're like, fuck, now I got to start over or something like that. But it's like, why? Like, yeah. it has nothing to do with that song. It's like, sure, it might be the same chord progression, similar melody or something, but you're not playing that fucking song. You're making it your own. You're doing something different. So I was always curious about like, you know, what other people think about that. Because I was always so self-conscious about I don't want to get sued. I'm like, who the fuck's going to sue me? I'm not, yeah. nobody knows who the fuck I am. So there's no way unless this song is like the lottery of all songs that it's going to be ever heard by more than like a couple hundred people. But is there ever anything in like your guys' head where you're like, oh, I can't, I can't use that. Like, it's really fucking hard with drums because like what drum beat hasn't existed somewhere already. It's like yeah. fucking impossible, right?
2: <laughs> with drums, it's really funny because I, <laughs> I always felt like guitarists are like, this riff is mine. I am not, I'm not gonna let anybody have it. Like, this is me, this is my thing. And drummers are like sharing yeah, to opposite. the opposite degree, like 100%. Yeah. It's like, oh, you do that here? I'm gonna do that here. Oh, that's so cool. And and then it's just like a, this whole conversation about where we could fit the same groove into a million different songs. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I love s- stealing. Yeah. That's, it's the best way to write new stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think it's funny because like once it's out there, like you can't stop people from having heard it. Right. So then it's going to create an inspiration. So like, if I told you guys for the first time that like Mercury revolves around the sun, you'd never known that before, but now you know it. And now I'm saying it publicly like, Oh, now everybody knows that Mercury revolves around the sun. Okay. Well now I can tell people that, right. Like I can go out and tell people that I already know this. So why the fuck is it different in music? Right. Like, I learned how to do a blast beat. Cool. Now that person knows how to do it because of me or whatever. And it's just like shared information that eventually becomes inspiration in different ways, which I think when people get self-conscious about the music they make, it's probably because they lack the experience of playing their own music, which then kind of makes them self-conscious about anything that they write. So like, I put out an album and some people say, oh, it sounds like Blink-182 or Screeching Weasel. But I'm like, yeah, because that's pretty much all I fucking listened to for like two straight years was pop punk, right? So like, that's what a lot of that stuff sounds like. But at the same time, the singing probably sounds almost exactly like Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, because that's where I learned how to kind of sing to guitar. Like that was some of the first early music that I started playing to. So I think it's interesting where, you know, you have to like toe the line, but at the same time, it's like. Do you though? Like, as long as you're not legitimately just like creating the exact same song yeah. and recording it and saying it's ours, I think you have a lot of free license to create something. Now it's different, yeah. like for popular music where they just steal pieces of a song and put it in there, and it's like, oh, that's our song now. It's like, no, you legitimately stole the, the sample from the recording and put it on your you know on your song or whatever. Um, but yeah, so Fez, I don't think you have to worry about towing the line. I think you just make whatever the fuck you want.
3: Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I think a lot of that stems from like music being treated as competition, and like all art in general, totally. right? Yeah. This is why like I have such an issue with the Grammys and that all sort of thing because it literally treats us as like who made the best album this year, right? Like, and that that's the wrong way to look at it. And like you see the top, and you see that that's how like art is treated at the very high yeah. end. So when you when you're down here in the local scene, you're starting out, you think that way, and you see like. X band and Y band make these kind of songs and you want to, like, you think, oh, I need to write a song that's better than that, right? Like, that is the worst way to look at it. And I think that stems from copying and that whole mindset. But, like, it's really healthy to, to, ex- like, I feel like it's really healthy to explain your process and share that sort of information, you know, between people or even ask questions. Like, hey, so, like, like, what what's that chord progression, you know, like, or just learn it, you know, like, listen to the song and learn it and, change it up a little bit. Going back to like songs using the same chord progressions and stuff. I mean, like uh, Under the Bridge and um, Basket Case. Those are the exact two same chord progressions.
0: Completely different songs. (laughs) Well, pop punk legitimately has one chord progression. It's like, uh, like if you're doing bar chords or power chords, it's like, you know, the the A A chord or the A minor chord, whatever, then the E chord. And then you just move that up and down, like in the same like T letter like the letter T yeah. kind of structure. And it's like, that's every fucking pop punk song you've ever heard in your life. And I'm like, that's why I can play it so well. Cause it's very, very easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the tools for creating music are simultaneously so minimal and so vast that, um, I don't know. I think the conversation is like, should be steered more towards where Mike was going with it. That It's uh it's not a competition.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So I think that's pretty much all the questions I have for you guys, but what's coming up for elephant King this year in 2023? I know you guys have shows probably got some new music lined up, but, uh, let everybody know what's kind of going on for you guys.
1: Um, so it's April, um, we have our next one is April 27th at, uh, the Taverna Costera, the rooftop, uh, in the arts district um and then that one we're sharing the stage with white noise pierce fort hunter's briefcase um and um a couple other local artists um and then
0: shortly after that um we're playing with um uh
1: i think we're playing with thumb in the sleaze at the the sand dollar like may 2nd or something like that
0: very cool
1: um so those are our next two coming up uh within the next couple weeks um we're in talks about, you know, doing a larger release. Thus far, we've, we've done um, singles and, like, you know, like, B-sides. Um, yeah. We've got most of our discography released. Uh, there's enough left for, like, you know, maybe like a, like an EP, like a small one, like three, four songs. That's kind of what we're in talks for now. Uh, it all kind of depends. I mean, we're all in other projects. We yeah. all have, um, you know, other things to do. Um but Wait,
0: you guys are not millionaires that just record music all day? Yeah, I
1: know. That'd be great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if I, if our, our full time jobs could just be recording original music, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Even then we're part of so many different things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um so that's kind of in talks right now. Um, but uh the the next definitive thing is that we're gonna have fun all
0: the time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the next we're, thing you'll see Elephant King yeah. doing we're is having fun music, right after, after this. this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, but but no uh no official dates. Yeah. Uh, or number of tracks is um is yeah.
0: set yet Yeah, cool very cool so obviously guys make sure to go to the show notes below this episode follow these guys on social media if they're gone in a year they're probably because of another band that they're in blew up and they don't have time for elephant king anymore but during this time you I definitely want to check sure. them out because they're fucking awesome their music is great follow them go listen to them on streaming wherever you you know whatever you stream your music and before we go I'm going to play the song goat from elephant King. And I guarantee you, you won't get this song out of your head for like a week. Uh, do I have your guys' full permission to play this song live on the podcast? So that way everybody can hear it. Yeah. totally Cool. So here's the song goat from elephant King to play us into the break and make sure to check out all the links. Like I said, uh, go follow them on social media and we'll be back right after this. your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow, it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success, and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to DIYRockCareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to DIYRockCareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my way Welcome back to the Powered by Rock podcast, everybody. I'm here with Danish rock music journalist, Karina Selvig, who writes for such publications as rockfreaks.net, The Dying Scene, New Noise Magazine, as well as contributing as a co-host over at Punk Rock Radar. seems like she's really freaking busy. I don't know how she has all this time to do all this stuff, but she definitely knows how to stay organized and and get it all done. But hey, Karina, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you for having me, Isaac.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we've been kind of chatting over Instagram and and email a couple times about different things. But um, yeah, I don't know how you do so much stuff. I mean, I I obviously I run one thing, but it's kind of spread out into 10 different versions of things. So um, I I definitely know how to stay busy as well. But I, I have not thought to like, work with so many different people like you have so um it's pretty pretty interesting how did that even start about like how did you actually get into rock music journalism and then how did you kind of start working with all the publications that you're working with right now
4: oh one of the, the most well that's a frequently asked question so i met um edits in chief petri for rock freaks at um, <clears throat> a pregame for a lag wagon concert in august and after we'd been at to that, I reached out and went like, I like you let's can I contribute because i've always been interested in
2: yeah.
4: uh, music, so I was one of those and um i i I feel like one thing led to the other, and everything in the end just um seemed to sum up because suddenly it was like emailing back and forth with New noise as well, and amazing people, no doubt about it. And I think um, what really made people notice everything was definitely uh, doing, putting in the time with um, Punk Rock Writer. Yeah. Which is so funny. And I think that's just where it went from then on, and then now it's become a thing. I quit my day job to do this full time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I can't even imagine you have time for a regular job. So I was just gonna ask, are are you still working at this point? But yeah, it sounds like you've actually been able to start writing for a career now.
4: Yeah, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity that um, New Noise uh, gave me on that one, and they've been, so amazing at delegating different pitches and listening to mine and working with me so i'm very very thankful for being able to do something i love every day now
0: yeah and obviously not all of these publications are located in denmark which is where you're residing right that's that's where you live is denmark correct <laughs> yes yeah, so how do you kind of work with them on a global scale? Obviously, there, there's a lot of room for remote work out there in the, in the world, but obviously, like a U.S.-based publication might know more about U.S. bands or a European one might know more about European bands. Do you kind of have to spread your knowledge across everything and just try to dig into everything all at once?
4: Um, I. That's actually a funny question because my particularly – music taste was actually very american when it began and it was first in 19 late 19 where um i started noticing more of the european acts not that i didn't notice them but i started paying more attention to them so i definitely think one of the benefits that i bring to the table or not benefits but yeah maybe is the knowledge i do have from the danish and european scene and i think um that's interesting because we we can all learn from each other like Mm -hmm. they discover new bands and they're located somewhere and go like this band listen to it um if it's something for you and normally and typically it is but it's it's definitely one of these where you do sit and research a lot more you do start, (laughs) start stalking bands instagram to see when they've uh, if they've ever been outside of america and stuff like
0: that yeah yeah and so i mean uh, there's there's so many different kinds of bands as well i mean it's not just punk music that you cover for all these publications either it's kind of a, a bigger you do more than just punk music right so i know punk rock radar is specifically punk they do kind of dig into a little bit of a, a wide net when i say punk because some of the bands i wouldn't probably classify as punk but they still fit them in there somehow um but then you do obviously other music so uh, what what kind of what kind of genre like is it just it's just rock music I, I assume at this point right but like you're not covering like pop and hip hop and stuff like that are you
4: No those are guilty pleasures I would yeah. those are more um, reviewing them and analyzing them with friends at this point that are also on the scene so it's very funny that we we're so heavy into the punk scene and rock scene and metal scene that we are all like talking about Taylor Swift and trying to analyze lyrics or Skrillex (laughs) and stuff like that. It's very entertaining. And then it just, it ends up in these long conversations that really gives you some insight that you can actually pull, uh, into the different genres as well. Like, um, it's, there's different types of rap. Apparently I didn't know this. There's something called emo rap. (laughs) That's (laughs) funny. And that was for me a different side because sometimes you'd like think rap is rap, but
0: is that just rap. Drake and Bad Bunny in that in that com- in that kind of subgenre? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, it's some. It's, his name is Eco, and uh, there's nothing nowhere. Please don't shoot me in the comments because I didn't know his name, but I was I was so surprised how how many subgenres there are to every genre. And I, I was very taken aback when we started over in rap and hip hop. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) My bad.
0: Yeah. And obviously people well versed in in those music scenes. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's like living on your own Island when you specifically only focus on a couple of genres, right? It's like, you don't have to worry about like, I don't listen to country Western. I just don't, I never liked it. I grew up in the Midwest where that was what the main, like, main i guess genre of music was and never liked it never really listened to the music i never mm-hmm. got along with the people who did listen to the music so i just kind of left it to them and and they could have it and i'll take my punk and my indie music and, and listen to that so it like when i see somebody on tv and they're like oh this is a famous singer i'm like i've never heard of that person i don't know who that is i don't know what what kind of music they make and i'm like i'm in music and i still have never heard of this person it's weird
4: that's that's so funny because I have a friend. He used to um, review for Rock Freaks, but he stopped uh, a few years ago. And he started deep diving into other genres. And every Friday, he he does a post like where he uh, updates you on singles that have been released and um, albums by different artists and. There are some times where I'm like, where do you find these names? Like this, this, what is this? And I've done the mistake so many times of asking him. And he's like, and then he'll spend three hours just telling me about this single. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I keep I keep falling into it. I'm like, okay, I'm so I need to stop now.
0: Yeah, it's one of those rabbit holes where it's like, oh, well, I was listening to Spotify, but then I heard about another band, and then I went over and checked out their their Wikipedia page or their fan page or whatever. Then I started looking at this other band who they were also on tour with, and I'm like – then like two hours later, you're like, how the hell did I get to this point? Now I'm like listening to a band that's like an Antarctic band. I'm like, who the hell like, starts a band in Antarctica? But whatever. I, I guess I'm listening to it now. <laughs> I didn't –
4: Antarctica. I'm so sorry for this one. I didn't know they had bands, but I don't now think I know. Do. No.
0: <laughs> Unless there's a bunch of scientists down there like rocking out that we don't know about.
4: <laughs> I would definitely be on board with that. Yeah. Oh, please.
0: It's like they're rapping about, or they're uh, ra- rocking out about, like uh, penguins, s- snowstorms, or something. It's like, okay, yeah, haven't seen the sun for six months. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> But I know there's, like, bands from, like, Alaska and, like, Finland and stuff. I mean, you're pretty far north as well. So, I mean, yeah. there's there's plenty of people who would have the similar experience to a, a band from Antarctica, I suppose, except for they're just in a barren wasteland of, like, snow and ice.
4: I was speaking to some friends, and he had just been to the Faroe Islands, where he's mm-hmm. from. And he came back with, like, "Oh, I just had to, went to the best metal concert in the Faroe Islands, and I was like... Eh. <laughs> and it goes like, yeah, it's such a wide music scene. You should try and visit. And I'm like, actually now I'm very intrigued to go there yeah. just to listen to the music because sometimes I'll admit it, I can be oblivious to things that happen in much smaller smaller places. I know Denmark's small. I get it. We're like <laughs> five hundred people that show up to every concert and it's the same people and we'll say yeah. hi. But, like, think I never thought about that for Faroe Islands. I honestly thought that they all um, moved to Denmark because I've met plenty of people from the Faroe Islands that have made bands in Denmark. Yeah. Or joined bands. So, me being oblivious and a total dumbass, sorry, (laughs) I just went, like, okay, well, the fuck do I know? And then... And I started listening to it and it's really good. They make really good music there. But I mean they well, had... don't worry
0: there's going to be a lot of Americans listening to this podcast that are like, "What the fuck is Denmark? Where is that on a map?"
4: It's it's <laughs> not in Canada.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they'll be like, "Why does she speak English? Like, what's the official language of Denmark?"
4: <laughs> Danish. It sounds like um a potato that's stuck yeah. in your mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh the funny thing about Danish. The only thing that most people in America will know that's Danish is we have like these uh, donuts essentially that are called Danishes, and that's what people will will know Uh... when they say Danish. Like, oh, have you ever heard of a Danish rock band? They're like, I don't understand are they bakers?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everybody's probably heard of Volbeat Over in America.
0: I don't think so. I would highly, uh, that would be unlikely. I mean, that's a band that I've only heard of like once or twice probably.
4: I I will go on record and say I might get banned from their concerts for this but it's it's fine if they ever see it. Ballbeat is um the Danish five-finger death punch and Nickelback if they had um very annoying children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well there's plenty of those bands in America too so like I, I you know they're like oh let's just make this music and then somehow they're famous and I'm like I don't even know how anybody likes this but okay.
4: That's how I feel about five finger death punch.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> I might get hate from my neighbors for this. If they see, they, if they see this, I have supportive neighbors. So they'll, I'm
0: going definitely... to do a targeted ad to like the 500 meters around your IP address and just make sure that everybody who sees this or like, who knows you sees this. <laughs> <laughs>
4: he'll be, he'll be knocking at five in the morning. He's seen them like I, 10 times or something ridiculous. I was like, that's way too much. Five finger death punch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, probably the most I've ever seen any band is like three or four times, even though Mm -hmm. I'd like to go check them out every time. But I'm like, I can't just go to every concert that these guys play. I'm like, that's insane. Like, that's way too much money to spend on that stuff.
4: But but in the same way, it's like, if they have this supporting act that you'll know will never really come, I think that's where it gets worth it.
0: Yeah, especially if it's like more than one. But like, if it's like, Mm -hmm. like a band's like, you know, I don't know. Let's just say, for example, like Black Keys or whatever. Like, I've seen them a couple of mm. times, but if they came with like, you know, bands that I'm not a fan of necessarily, I would definitely not spend the money. But if it's like two two good bands are in the bill, I'm like, is that worth 150 bucks? Maybe, because that's probably <laughs> what it's going to cost me. <laughs> but, yeah.
4: I mean, maybe because you have dynamic pricing over there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, we get screwed a lot of the times because people are shitbags and they just buy all these tickets up and then resell them too. So, yeah, that's a big problem here.
4: Yeah, I'm really glad that that's not in Denmark yet.
0: Yeah.
4: It yeah. it'll probably happen in a year or something, but right now we get to um enjoy the good side of it. Mostly yeah. because we do. Like when um Blink was announced in um in Copenhagen, it was one of those uh do you do we really want to buy the tickets? They're like around $80. That's not a lot. That's not a lot, but it was, it was one of those. They've supposed to be visited twice and they've canceled both times. So it's one of those, it's, it's such a gamble, (laughs) but I think in the end, we all bought tickets.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a lot cheaper than my ticket. Like I didn't get it. They don't come to Las Vegas as part of their own tour. They're coming as part of the, when we were young fest. So yeah, I had to buy tickets to that, which were much more expensive than $80. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) I
4: mean that lineup this year though.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good.
4: Yeah. Even I was sitting there going, I wonder if, if I ask nicely, could I go?
0: Yeah. I'm hoping that I also can get a press pass, but we'll see. Um, if so, then I'll probably sell my ticket to one of my friends or something so they can go, but it's going to be crazy. Yeah.
4: Oh, I'm definitely going to be looking into getting a press pass with that. Then...
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to spend $1,500 on hotels and flights just to get there for one concert, but yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, America's not that far away. How long would it take me to travel to Las Vegas? Probably like eight hours.
0: Yeah, that's about right.
4: Plus some, like, I, yeah.
0: And then there's hotels and, and stuff. Minute.
4: Yeah. I don't see a problem in that, actually. i I do it (laughs) but i get good ideas like that all the time
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i had to stop myself from like traveling so much this year because last year i think i spent like thirty six hundred dollars on just doing shows out of town i'm like that's a lot of money for like out of out of town shows and it was only like six of them or something like that so i'm like yeah 600 bucks a pop for hotels tickets yeah gas maybe a flight or whatever i'm like that's getting expensive like I wouldn't pay $600 for any rock show, but I'm sitting here paying it for like local bands to play. And I'm watching them. I'm like, that's crazy.
4: (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like um, I'm going to England in May to, uh, to slam dunk. And I was like looking at it and I I went, yeah, um, this is already, if I have to do this every time, I I think I need to work harder. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or start like t- say say you're gonna run somebody's merch table while you're there, so you can make some extra money or something. I'll only work when the bands are not playing. But I'll be I'll be watching and then come back to the merch table.
4: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, why not? I'll I'll even make sure you have fresh water. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it wasn't. It could have been worse. Like the, England's an hour away. Yeah. Um, but I think what it is is it's slam dunk yeah and and no effects is playing the next day
0: <laughs> oh really yeah that's gonna be i mean that'd be a big, big weekend so hotels and stuff would be pretty expensive i'm sure
4: yeah i'm i i know that i at least have a seven day deadline on um on slam dunk but i think i have like 48 hours on no effects because it's a normal concert
0: and it's oh like, yeah because i mean Ooh. it's technically like a festival but it's not because it's just their headlining farewell tour right
4: yeah, and they have they have a great four great bands coming like Anti Flag, Get Dead, Lagwagon. Uh, can't remember the last one.
0: Yeah, yeah, a bunch of deadbeat bands. You know, nobody's ever heard of those guys.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lagwagon, yeah. who didn't yeah. even go and see them in August?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So obviously, uh, to kind of open people's minds, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here kind of about what you are interested in, because, you know, obviously people don't know that much about you, but also they want to learn more about or I hope that they want to learn more about other bands from other places other than, you know, the United States or whatever. But Mm. let's just say, like, for people who are struggling to find good music outside of the United States, give me like your top three European rock bands that other listeners should check out right now.
4: Um, so right now I'm into Martha. Um, Sorry. they're from, uh, they're from England. I'm into, of course, um, a French, uh, band indie punk called, uh, Topsy Turvis.
0: Okay. Which, I know them.
4: Yeah, yeah. Excellent music. And the third one. Ooh, um, I think we're going to go a bit more over in a heavy side I just uh I went to see this band called Heilong in October and it's this um Viking music and it's very you, you get put into like this trans um like state and you just you're captivated and you feel the music and everything and it's so powerful and I like to use it a lot um when I'm working out and stuff, because it exactly makes sure you focus a lot more on yourself and your own well being because you're so caught up in
0: well that, yourself. and you also have to defeat your enemies and burn their village down, right?
4: Exactly, we have to make sure <laughs> that the sacrifices are done right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have
0: to get the, I'll have to get the spelling for that band name because there's no way I'm going to be able to figure that out from just how you say it. So, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so then as far as your, your, obviously your European side, what are some of the, you know, American or maybe North American, including Canada, what's some of your favorite bands to check out in North America?
4: Belvedere. Okay. Um, if you don't know them, they Beth put Belvedere. on, an, they put on an amazing show. They are nice guys. I have uh, a vinyl downstairs. I have, I, I'm. Number one fan over here. I think it's good. I discovered them in 2016.
0: Well, I think they were already around before then. It wasn't like you were the first. They person. were. Yeah,
4: they were. <laughs> but a lot of people didn't don't really yeah. know them. They aren't that known, considering, yeah. which surprises me and american bands right
0: now i just want to point out because i always i always used to say this too and i'm like i first discovered or i discovered this band i'm like i didn't fucking discover this band No, i first learned of this band way after (laughs) they were already probably famous for other for other reasons but that's how i start saying it now like i first learned of this band when i was a a moron and they've been out for 20 years later and i figured figured, finally figured it out
4: (laughs) and i actually think that belvedere has been around for nearly 20 years maybe 15 i was like Well, I learned of them in 2016 yeah, and, um, I, I have not regretted, uh, that rabbit hole at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good music. And I know and, Casey uh,
0: Lewis. He does like production for a lot of like the bands in Canada too. Oh, so yeah. a lot of punk bands and stuff. He's like producing their albums. So.
4: Yeah. Casey. He's so sweet. <laughs> Um, another band is I, I'm currently listening to. I find them very funny. They're they're called Waterpox. And um,
0: What is that? It
4: pup rock. Pup.
0: Like pup PUP is that what you're talking
4: about? No, 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 like uh, Waterpox and it's uh pup oh. rock. Um, okay. I I just find their lyrics so funny apparently the lead singer has this thing where he sees words and colors and they just went with it like this is their their niche as you can Hmm. say like yeah
0: it's It's like impressionism or something almost yeah
4: i would say so like he dyes his um his hair after the mood of the album (laughs) i find that very funny and yeah and of course, because you mentioned them, it's always my small guys, Pup. <laughs> they aren't small; very big now.
0: Yeah, they are. It's interesting because, like, I was talking with John from Punk Rock Radars. Like, I don't know how Pup got so big. I'm like, I feel like they were like just a regional band, and then all of a sudden they released their last album, and now everybody knows who they are. I'm like don't even know how that happened kind of kind of similarly like turnstile but turnstile just feel like they've been kind of so active for so long that it just was eventually Mm going to happen um but yeah pup i've never seen them live maybe i have to go check them out live to really totally get it
4: oh yeah you definitely have to see it live (laughs) oh my god my buddy hurt for a week after their concert
0: (laughs) yeah makes sense
4: it's very it's very they're very good
0: that's good to know. Yeah, I have to check them out. Unfortunately, every time I see a tour announcement, they do not come to Las Vegas, so I'll have to wait until they do. Hopefully, they'll team up with some team of uh, or like a couple of bands or something or another band that can actually make it worth their while to come here. But yeah, I I,
4: I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to call them out for neglecting Las Vegas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right, pop, come like on. there's
0: definitely Las Vegas venues that you could play here. It's not like you're only going to attract a couple hundred people.
4: No, no, you won't be playing in front of 10. You'll probably yeah. be playing in front of a 1,000.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so one question I have for you is, since you started doing some of this rock music stuff, what's kind of the coolest experience you've been part of since putting your efforts behind music journalism?
4: Uh, <laughs> oh, hmm. Um, definitely getting to know bands, but also... Um, Uh, the record label Nasty Cut Records, which um, is originally a Greek record label. Um, The founder, he's still in Greece, but um, Andrew has taken over 95%, maybe 90%. uh, And he's in Denmark. Or actually, right now, he's in Greece on vacation. (laughs) Normally, (laughs) normally he's in Denmark. Denmark. (laughs) And and, um, yeah, I think That music journalism also made me discover something about myself that while it's cool being able to review bands and interview bands, there's also the other side, which is you have the opportunity to really help a band that you enjoy and you get to push them and make them feel seen and heard through the record label. Yeah. And, uh, which is why for the record labels fifth anniversary we're putting on a music festival or when i say we it's a hundred percent andrew that's funded that one goodbye savings and um he's managed to put together a really good team where collected five people and um and we he makes sure we all we're all heard on if we should have added more bands or if we shouldn't have, which is funny because we have now ended up with 20 bands and three acoustic sets. I don't know how that happened. Everybody wants
0: to be part of it now.
4: Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, somewhere it's it's amazing to be able to put on uh, a festival because I've always, always always wants it to be a part of that but like seeing how it is from the inside inside i don't understand how andrew can do it sometimes i know i'm annoying i'll be working till two o'clock in the morning and then i'll send him a message and be like i have this id and then a few hours later he'll wake up and he'll be like oh that's so cool And I'm like, I wrote you at two in the morning. You do not have, um, or two at night and you do not have a problem with this. Cool. I'll keep doing that. (laughs) But, but I think one of the best things that has come from music journalism is definitely being able to share your voice. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I went on another podcast and, um,
0: Whose podcast? Don't tell me about that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure Um, it was Punkle Kid, and we spoke, and we ended up speaking about um, how—no offense, this is no offense—how a lot of punk bands are very political active, and but the thing is, is because many of them are men sometimes it overshadows the female punk bands that are trying to get their voices heard on matters that they, we know more about. And it's yeah. kind of, it's cool to have allies, but we also have to remember to make room for each other. Yeah. In this
0: Chris well, number I, two. Yeah. And, and that makes a good point. Cause I saw like, I just saw a uh, post the other day from, I think it was from Julia Louis Dreyfus or some, some comedian mm-hmm. there, and she had a sign that said, if men could get pregnant, there'd be as many abortion clinics as ATMs or something like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong.
4: <laughs> but I I wouldn't have ever um, delved into my own political um, standings if it wasn't because I already had my voice and I felt confident in my voice because I'd been reviewing and figuring out who I was as a reviewer. And yeah. so that's one of another amazing aspect of um, music journalism. It's not always all about music.
0: Yeah, that's, for, that's for sure. I mean, you get to bring a world of perspective to something that somebody like, you know, myself, I'm an American male in La- United States, Las Vegas, right, would never even consider, like, it wouldn't even hmm. be what I was listening to the album for or whatever, it'd be a completely different perspective that I think the more voices, the better and the more influences, the better because then you get a unique experience that you would never have before. If it's all the same voice and all the same, you know, it's like an echo chamber where you're just like, okay, I, I don't even know why I'm reading this because it's the exact same thing I was already thinking. It's, it's like, whatever.
4: <laughs> um, and, and I think that's why I I started, I discovered that I was a part of the problem um a few you weeks definitely ago,
0: are no i'm just kidding
4: <laughs> <laughs> i i i discovered that most of my interviews had been male dominated um and i was thinking about it i went i'm a woman and i speak about women issues and yeah because i'm about it but it was like i'm not using my platform to promote female um musicians or female punk bands and um, yeah and it was one of those wow that is probably the dumbest thing i've ever done
0: yeah and in speaking that i think in the, in the the six uh actually martha i think is is they have a female in that band right so i was they gonna they have the six i think you only named one maybe zero yeah. but i could yeah, have one one female fronted band so it happens but there's not nearly as many female bands out there as male bands but they're rising I mean there's there's definitely a lot more now than there were 15-20 years ago I mean yeah, especially in the punk scene it's like there's probably a good 25% of the punk scene is female now which is pretty awesome
4: I think England is doing a really great job with that to be honest um, and so is Denmark yeah. um, and a lot of other countries and um, America but it's one of those if it wasn't because I had seen someone I knew or someone, um, I was a fan of before going on tour with these, I would have never checked them out and that's how, um, Sewer Cats and Petrol Girl actually became such a wow experience for me. And it's, it's funny because yeah one of it's it's something I have to get better at as well
0: yeah and it's yeah I mean I try to make note of like every time that I you know hear especially like interesting voices in in music in general right so like yeah that's why I have you know you'll see pretty much anybody from any background from different countries on this podcast and you know different genders transgender like pretty much everybody that I can possibly interview that has a different voice is, is people that I'm interested in talking to. It's not like I'm just going to sit here and talk to my buddies from high school and be talking about, you know, the same shit that we talked about in high school. It's like, that's a pretty stale conversation. Things have changed a lot in 23 years since I graduated. So, um, yeah.
4: I, I imagine that, but it's, it's again, one of those, like, let's, let's all just rise. I mean, next yeah. time trying, try and get a hold of, uh, what, what, uh, mannequin pussy oh yeah amazing band so funny from what i've heard they should be very funny <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah that was a heavy subject
0: <laughs> yeah no it's how it moves in and out here like sometimes you get a little uh, more interesting conversations just by asking a simple question so that's always yeah. good well and, and i know that you spoke about the uh, the festival uh, i don't want to mm. kind of undershadow that because that's one of the reasons why you're here so talk to me obviously you got um that i think it's just called the nasty cuts festival right or something like that nasty cuts records festival and i think one of the reasons why we even started talking was because forever unclean was up for uh breakthrough artists or best new artists or something like that for one of my for one of the the power by rock podcasts or for the power by rock music awards And you had mentioned like, hey, I know these guys that are awesome. I'm like, fuck yeah, they're awesome. Like that was one of the better albums of the year, obviously. So um, obviously, me. I think they're playing in that festival as well, right?
4: They are. um, uh, Yeah, they're under Nasty Cut Records label. And um, I know that Andrew and Leo and Les and they have a very special special friendship. And um, basically these guys... Would do anything for each other, and knowing the guys, they are so amazing, and I'm so glad that they are playing the festival. I mean, sure, we joke around that they play the same venue all the time, but <laughs> it's still so cool that they went like, "Yeah, we're in," and they're going on tour with Bin Boy, that's also playing at the festival. Yes. Um, yeah so i'm i'm very happy for those guys they deserve everything (laughs) they deserve so much
0: (laughs) and that festival i think is in october from from memory right
4: no it's in may
0: oh it's in may it's it's i I think it was so far away
4: it's in two months it's between the 18th and the 20th of of may actually and um it's very exciting nice we nearly have everything under control
0: and hopefully the snow is all melted and everything by then
4: i don't even know dude like it's supposed (laughs) to snow next week and i'm like it's it's april yeah i I don't i I don't know i got my first mosquito bite today so i'm like
0: those bastards are coming back it's probably warm enough for everything to happen
4: (laughs) i was definitely very happy i had to write to my friends i got my first mosquito bite and they were like this is weird but we're happy
0: yeah (laughs) That's a good way to gauge the climate and, and the upcoming temperature, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Where are we? Are we um, snow suits or are we light puffer, buffer jacket now?
0: <laughs> and last thing I think that's probably worth mentioning is just, get, if you can give me one good song recommendation of something you've heard lately or an album or just a new artist you think people want to check out, uh, let me know one good recommendation from yourself.
4: Okay. I have been listening a lot to an indie artist called Samia um, Mm -hmm. and her album is Cold. I think it's Cold Honey, actually. Um, Samia. Yeah, it's Cold Honey. And it's very, very good. Um, The song I would suggest if you're into um, like deep, deep music with where you where you where your brain starts turning? Uh, I'd recommend "Breathing Song." It's very sad, but it's
0: "Breathing Song."
4: "Breathing Song." Okay. It's very beautiful.
0: Interesting. Just making a note so I don't have to sit here and try to figure out what that was by scrolling through the episode later. <laughs> very cool. I will have to check it out because I've never even heard of it's Samia. You said,
4: yeah. I, I, her father is an actor or a musician. Okay. But she Thanks. like ripped loose and made her own. I, d- I didn't even know her father was an actor or musician. I was like, God damn it, this voice. This is something different from Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus. When yeah. people uh, bring yeah. up female musicians, stop bringing them up, guys.
0: Yeah. A lot cool. of others. Well, that's all I got for you today. And I'm glad we got to talk because it's been a while. Um, I look forward to you, obviously growing in the music journalism scene and probably having 10 more jobs by the next time I talk to you, which will probably be a couple days or whatever. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, you never know, maybe, maybe next, next month I'll be interviewing you. I
0: mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I I'm, I'm some, some small band somewhere. No, I don't have a band yet, but, uh, maybe one day again, it'll be a while.
4: We could start a band. We could have like a Zoom band. I have drums downstairs.
0: Nice. Yeah. I've got a whole musical thing over here that you can't see off camera with drums and guitars and stuff. But uh, I only get to play when I'm not paying attention to my two-year-old son, and that's very rarely.
1: Oh,
4: oh. <laughs> he can join in.
0: Yeah. Yesterday I had to pick up a guitar because I'm like, you're driving me nuts. I'm going to play some guitar. And then he just kept like asking me questions and touching me while I was like, it's like trying to grab my hand while I'm playing. I'm like, stop. What are you doing?
4: <laughs> I remember that phase. That's how my son ended up with the drum kit.
0: Yeah. He's At got one two. too. He likes it. He just doesn't play it as much as he used to because he's got too many toys now, but he'll get back into it. I'm sure.
4: Oh yeah. And then they never stopped. My, yep. my, my son's six now and he wants to be a musician. Nice. So, so and, uh, I, I really want to thank Casey Lewis for that because he gave my son signed drumsticks. Oh, nice. And they are <laughs> the most precious possession he owns. No one's allowed like, to touch Don't touch them. these. If, if yeah. they
0: ever get lost, I'll kill everybody in the house. <laughs>
4: he, he, he couldn't find them once and he went bananas. Like. <laughs> I was, I was surprised. I went like, Oh shit. I can't get new ones for you. I don't know how to get, I could ride Casey, but I mean, like, that would be weird. Hey, my son lost the drumsticks that you signed for him. Can you send some new ones? Yeah. But yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Kids pain in my ass. But yeah, I always tell people it's like a dog. Like I've, I've had two dogs. I'm like, I'll I'll never get another dog. And I'll never have another kid. One, one's too many.
4: (laughs) I have to yeah. <laughs> can confirm.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, but- Thanks for stopping by. And like, I, like I was saying, you know, make sure to go check out all of the links to Karina's work, go check out what she's doing. If you're in Denmark, near Denmark, or want to go to Denmark, it's not that probably that crazy of an idea, but you could go check out the nasty cut records festival in, in May. I would do it. If I didn't have a child, I'd be like, yeah, let's go travel. Let's go to Denmark. That's great. Mm. Uh, I've never been, I've only been to Germany and a couple other countries in Europe, but never actually made it up to Denmark, but uh, that'd be cool. So go check out the show notes below to see all the links to all of our work and everything. So you can check out that stuff there. And remember guys, the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners to show us some support. Please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. If you're only listening to the podcast, you can go check out the full video interview on our YouTube and Spotify channels as well. Also, if you like reading and you want to check out some of our awesome content, Uh, Maybe we'll have Karina guest on one of our uh, articles at some point. (laughs) You can go to our PoweredByRock.com and you can check out our merch, our gear, anything else that you'd like to see and see what's good there. That's our show for today. And I just want to say thanks again to Karina. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.
1: supposed to